Hello everyone, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, and Yoda's shady ketamine dealer. Welcome to the very special landmark 10th ever episode of the Communal Conversation. I'm your host, Yosef Zellman, here with my guest. Oh, me. Huh. More on me in a minute. First, sponsor. We got we to mention our sponsors as always. This week's episode of the Community Conversation is brought to you by our amazing sponsors over at EV Direct. EV Direct is the home of the Evolute, a smart multi-user electric vehicle charging system for condominiums. Go electric or go dig for oil. This week's episode is also sponsored by Custom by Shara. More on them during the mid-break. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the 10th episode of the Community Conversation. As you can tell, this is not the traditional format of how this podcast is supposed to go, but I figured for our landmark 10th episode, we would try to do something a little different, mixing up the formula. And I'm going to be doing this episode solo. Han Solo, some might say. Get ready for that to be a theme for this episode, because today is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, all of you, all of you friends out there, Force users and uh, colleagues alike. Um, today is Star Wars Day. It is the celebratory Star Wars Day. Now, funny enough, the original Star Wars movie didn't actually premiere on May the 4th. May the 4th was just called the Star Wars Holiday because, you know, may the fourth be with you play on words. Can't really pass that opportunity up, right? Um, so yeah, as you can see, I have littered my set. Well, for those who aren't listening on the, who are listening on the audio version, I apologize, but you can see this on the YouTube version. I have littered my set with various Star Wars memorabilia, figures, Lego, bunch of stuff lying around here. Next to me is my six foot eight Darth Vader statue, which was graciously given to me by my friends, the Bendayans for my birthday. Shout out to them. Greatest birthday gift ever received. Uh, you know, you got C-3PO, Baby Yoda, got my figure of the week ahsoka up there up with the member of the bad batch that's hunter so the bad batch is a new star wars show that just premiered today i saw the first episode it was quite fantastic um and then you have the uh skywalker lightsaber along with two skywalkers boba fett's helmet the mandalorian stone troopers kylo ren bba yoda with his ketamine so on and so forth so this is definitely going to be different maybe a shorter episode than usual because i have to hold the audience the entire time but let's see if I can do that. I've seen enough John Mulaney specials to try and do that. Um, so, this week, sometimes there have been a lot of things on my mind. Uh, but a lot of things on my mind that just go through my head at random intervals in time. Because I am a thinking human being. I, at least I think I am. Um, and definitely some of those issues I would like to... Or, or just questions and quandaries I would like to address in this episode. So once again, it's going to be a very different format. And I'm going to figure this out as I go along. And hopefully this isn't a disaster. Okay, so... First of all, let's address the elephant in the room, or the multiple elephants. I also forgot to mention I'm wearing a Jedi robe right now, which uh, the origin of this Jedi robe, uh, I guess I'll open up about it. Yeah, so uh, before I went into psychology, um, I wanted to be a film major. I wanted to go into filmmaking. That was my big passion. Filmmaking is still a big passion of mine, as you can tell a little bit by the way I've been doing this show and some other content on my channel. And I love filmmaking. Uh, I have no problem with filmmaking at all as an industry. I just figured that in terms of practical career application, it would be a lot more safe to go to psychology than film uh, because in film you need a lot of luck and connections to things I famously don't have. I mean, I wish the Jews did run Hollywood, it would probably make my life a lot easier, you know, to step into the door like, hey, I'm Jewish, oh, sh oh let him through, let him through to the Oscars. Uh, but unfortunately, that is not how the world works, um, despite what many people may think. So I decided to go with psychology instead, but my passion of filmmaking has never disappeared. I watch quite a lot of films. You can ask any of my friends. I am quite the pretentious film critic of my own self-admission. Um, when I watch films, you know, when, when most people watch movies, they're watching them to enjoy the actors they see on screen and the stories and the, the tales and, the, you know, the whole picture. Uh, but when I watch movies, I I tend to analytically overanalyze them on every level in terms of writing, cinematography, 
uh, uh, frame composition, audio, uh, writing, acting, directing, producing, like a lot of you know set decoration, like a lot of a lot of elements uh, go into filmmaking that I tend to pay attention to when I watch films, which makes me famously hard to watch movies with. <laughs> Um, I, I used to be a lot worse in high school. I used to be say a lot more things out loud that I felt inside, but now I no longer say those things out loud because they greatly annoy my peers unless they are fellow film critics like I am. Uh, and I'm not giving myself that title. I'm just someone who enjoys film quite a lot and also tends to critique it quite a lot, but I'm not Roger Ebert or anything. Um, so film has always been a huge passion of mine. Star Wars, pretty big film franchise. I think might be the the single biggest film franchise. Uh, the Marvel movies might have them beat at this point. Actually, I'm pretty sure the Marvel movies do have them beat at this point. But Star Wars is one of the greatest franchises of all time. It's one of the biggest, uh, definitely the most known science fiction uh, franchise of all time. Um, and so the Order of this Jedi robe is when I wanted to pursue filmmaking that was in high school. Uh, and, you know, as a young independent filmmaker would, I wanted to make a Star Wars fan film. <sighs> it was called Jedi Purge, and it starred this guy, Vader, and me and some fellow colleagues who are probably listening right now as Jedi Padawans on the run after Order 66, which is the order to kill all Jedi put out by the clone troopers, uh, the Emperor, and the at the end of the third episode of Star Wars. Um, there were some Jedi on the run that Darth Vader had to hunt down and eventually murder. Yes, I was that edgy in grade 11 of high school 10 11 one of those two um safe to say it did not go very well and it scarred me for life and traumatized me away from ever doing film again <laughs> uh i i got a bunch of friends together we went out into a forest to film it uh i had some friends really graciously donate their time and read the scripts that i wrote and oh man yeah that definitely even talking about it is kind of hard but i'm trying to lift the veil on these things that i'm embarrassed about because then it becomes less embarrassing when i make fun of them because everything in life needs to be joked about um and yeah so that's how i got this jedi robe was this was uh, my character wore this robe i believe i believe i also wore a green arrow jacket and an arden belt that was supposed to be a jedi belt and a very plasticky lightsaber so i don't actually remember what i named my character in canon i i, I we came up with a bunch of names for the different characters my co <laughs> my cousin was dressed as an alien he had like this full alien headdress i have in the closet that was that's just some fun times but um just on the vein of Star Wars, one tends to wonder, I mean, Star Wars is great. It, it really is. It, it's, it's one of those classic uh, folk tales of good versus evil um, and the lines in between them. But mostly it's, you know, it's uh, this big, bad, fascistic, imperial conquesting force trying to impose their rule on the galaxy and the small rebellion standing up for individual rights and freedoms and uh, not allowing the totalitarianism of the Empire to uh, crush them. Um, and Star Wars is also a story about family. It's a Carrie Fisher quote. It's about family. That's what it's really all about. Uh, as you have the Skywalkers that carry through the three trilogies. For the record, I'm not going to talk this whole episode about Star Wars because I know some of my viewers have never even seen Star Wars, which for the record, I mean, you know, I'm not one of those people that jumps down people's throats for not seeing Star Wars. I, I've had, I have friends who do that where, you know, they'll meet someone and they say, oh, you haven't seen Star Wars? What? What's wrong with you? Oh. I'm just sort of like, okay, you haven't seen Star Wars. Cool. I mean, they're cool, but if you if if you're not into them you don't have to watch them um so the question is i've always wondered what the phenomenon of star wars what is so prominent about star wars that has made it one of the most successful franchises of all time i mean definitely you can give a lot of credit to the first star wars film which came out in 1977 which revolutionized special effects at the time 
the special effects that are present in a Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4 A New Hope, um, really were not like nothing anyone had ever seen before. George Lucas really did push the bounds of the of Fox's budget and his own creative efforts to bring forth this wonderful space saga adventure that, yeah, it's a little corny now, but it was made in 77, so in context, it makes sense. Um, and just this, it just brought audiences into a whole new fantastical world of characters and stories and planets and locations to fall in love with. And planets and locations is something I, th I think people often uh, take for granted, um, is that, listen, all the characters in Star Wars are what people focus on the most, right? You've got Darth Vader, you've got Luke Skywalker, uh, Princess Leia, and, you know, Obi-Wan. Um, and then, you know, in the prequels, you have Ahsoka and Yoda and all these different, all these different characters. Um, I think people often forget how important the setting of the universe is because what Star Wars really does is makes you feel like it's in a completely different galaxy far, far away. That comes down to production design, set design, and just general design of environment. Um, the different planets in Star Wars are very distinct from each other. So, I mean, like Hoth, which is a very snowy, snowy planet, sort of like Canada out here. And then you have Mustafar, which is a very lava-like planet. Um, these different planets able are able to give you different points of reference within a galaxy, and I think that's really amazing on the part of, on the creative team's part that you actually feel like you've explored a whole other universe through just a few films, right? All these different planets to do all these different things, and people often forget that. People just remember the main stuff, like the big flashy laser sword battles. And for the record, I want to address Star Wars as a whole. Listen, I love Star Wars. You can clearly tell that I love Star Wars very much. At the same time, I do recognize Star Wars is really dumb and it's a bunch of people pointing laser sticks at each other and saying vague Shakespearean quotes. Um, as in, Star Wars is great, but I don't think it's, you know, it's not the godfather of cinema or anything. It's just a very fun, sort of turn your brain off kind of franchise. Not entirely, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff that gets into more philosophical questions. Um, you know, questions about who, who we are as people, uh, what our tendencies are towards good or evil, uh, power, the absolute corruption of power. You get into politics a little, which for the record killed the prequels, but um, I should mention that. I am not a fan of the Star Wars prequels at all. Um, so that used to be a consensus in society that the prequels were bad. Now it seems a lot of people are swinging back and loving the prequels from nostalgia. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, I saw the prequels when I was very young, and obviously I enjoyed them when I was very young. I was exposed to Star Wars at, at a young age. Um, but I would rather stick forks, forks in my eyes than watch Revenge of the Sith again. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to knock anyone for what they enjoy. Uh, people who enjoy the, the prequels, for the record, are episodes 1, 2, and 3. The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Um, anyone who enjoys those movies... All power to you. I'm not trying to knock you or insult you for what you enjoy. I think that's great. Honestly, you can clearly get a lot more fun out of it than I can. But like I said, mentioning all the stuff that I usually pay attention to with films, on every level, I think that the, the uh, cinematically, the prequels are totally broken. The acting is terrible. The writing is really bad and often just laugh-worthy. Laugh uh, shot composition is really terrible. The special effects did not age well, and they really overuse CG. Uh, the overall story doesn't fit very well together. Even if the... If you barebone plotlined the prequels and what they were trying to set up with the narrative of Palpatine and Order 66 and how they were manipulating this peacekeeping force to go into a war. That's very interesting stuff. But in its execution, it completely falls apart, I think. And you just have these flat characters that no one likes. No, it's just those movies are a complete mess. However, this great 3D animated series called Star Wars The Clone Wars fully brought me back into the prequel obsession. As you can see, I have some prequel stuff around me because those took that that series took characters from the prequel, prominent characters like Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, uh, Padme, and some new characters like Ahsoka. Um, and 
Asajj Ventress. Although technically she was supposed to be in the first movies, but yes, like, like Asajj Ventress uh, and a bunch of other original characters, like giving the clones actual characters, right? Like Catherine Rex and Commander Cody. That show was very, not in its first season, but uh, to, uh, towards its, its second season and then definitely in the later seasons, it, that show got me to actually appreciate the universe of the prequels, the era of the prequels, right? Like the, the era in the timeline of Star Wars when it takes place because The Clone Wars is a very, very well-written show. It's a very well-animated show. The characters are phenomenal. The voice acting is really, really good. Now, I will say overall as a TV show, it's 60% good. The other 40%, there are some garbage episodes of Star Wars Clone Wars. Some really, and Star Wars fans know what I'm talking about. There's some really, really bad episodes, really bad multiple arcs. The first season of the show is almost insufferable. Uh, and the movie is, 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 is insufferable. <laughs> the Clone Wars film. Um, but when Clone Wars it's good, is good, it's very, very, very good. And it gives you this whole introspection on the prequel era of Star Wars that, you know, was not previously able to reference because you just had these whiny actors like Hayden Christensen being like, eh, eh, my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Eh, it's, it's laughable, honestly, but I'm glad people enjoy him. It's just not something I can personally partake in. Um, but, uh... Yeah, so the Clone Wars definitely caught on with me, and that, that's where the bulk of my Star Wars enjoyment does come from. I think the original trilogy is still the best form of Star Wars, uh, that being A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, and I really love those movies. I cherish them very, very much. I also love the Clone Wars. Um, my opinions on the sequel trilogy are mixed. Um, I think overall as a whole, very broken. <laughs> Clearly, they did not know what they were doing. They didn't sit down and comprehend any sort of outline plan which is really dumb considering you've been handed one of the most expensive franchises in all of history. You don't want to screw that up. And boy, did they screw it up. So I actually think Force Awakens is quite a good movie. Um, I, I, I understand that the the formula of Force Awakens is basically just a new hope with a new you know coat of paint on it. Uh, the, the story is definitely hits the same beats. The characters are very similar. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Force Awakens presents enough new to Star Wars that makes it a really, really good film. Honestly, it's one of those films that if you're just showing someone Star Wars for the first time, they will automatically enjoy because it, it's a very enjoyable movie. The characters are very likable in Force Awakens. John Boyega is very likable as Finn. Uh, Daisy Ridley is pretty good as Rey. I wouldn't say she's as prominent as, as characters like Finn or Poe. I, I very much like Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron. Um, you know, BB-8, Kylo Ren, Adam Driver absolutely carries the franchise. Adam Driver as Kylo Ren is probably the most interesting character in the entire sequel trilogy. Um, and so I think, the, and Force Awakens is a very, very good film. It's very well shot. It's very well directed. The special effects are phenomenal. The, the music is always incredible in any Star Wars movie. Even in the prequels, the music is incredible. Uh, so that goes without mention. The Last Jedi is possibly the most controversial Star Wars film. And I will say publicly, for fear of being car bombed. Oh, wait, I don't have a car. Uh, I love The Last Jedi. I really, really like that movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I really don't. No movie is a perfect movie except Children of Men, The Godfather. Um... Uh, 12 Angry Men, a uh, bunch of others, Nightcrawler, Prisoners, Enemy. Anyway, uh, but definitely not <laughs> Star Wars The Last Jedi. There are definitely some convoluted plot points. Um, though, anything with Finn and Rose in that film is really, really meh, like really not enjoyable, and they could have taken it out entirely. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Also, I don't. people tend to blame the actress who played Rose for a terrible character. I don't blame her at all. I blame the script. Um, but the overall... The overall stories and characters of The Last Jedi I actually like quite a bit because you have Luke Skywalker, who is this legend, this absolute legend of life, right? The Grand Jedi Master, talked about in history books for decades and decades to come. He's fallen. He has completely failed in what he was supposed to do. 
this whole heroic image he had of himself and of others ahead of him is completely shattered in one instant moment where he almost gives into his own in inflections. He, he views, basically, um, the story goes, uh, Luke Skywalker goes to a Jedi temple to train uh, a new legion of Jedi. And one of those Jedi is Kylo Ren, who is the son, or, or Ben, Ben, sorry, his name is Ben Solo. And Ben Solo is the son of Han Solo and Leia Organa. Um, and he is the nephew of Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker and Leia Skywalker uh, are uh, brother and sister. And this nephew um, turns into the main villain of the franchise. Uh, and it's all started when he starts getting manipulated by Emperor Snoke or Supreme Leader Snoke, this, this mythical uh, supreme being of of Sith composition. Um, and what happens is one night Luke Skywalker looks inside the head of, of Ben Solo. He looks and he sees the future. He sees what Ben Solo will do in the future. He sees that Ben Solo is going to wipe out millions of people across a ton of planets. He's going to make wars. He's going to enslave people, all the terrible First Order Empire stuff. Luke looks at him and he's like, this is, he's going to go on to cause so much evil. I've got to stop this. And keep in mind, Ben Solo is maybe 15 or 16. So Luke pulls out his lightsaber and he holds it over his head because he's thinking, I'm going to eliminate all the evil right here. But as he says in the film, it's a fleeting shadow. He stops himself. He doesn't do anything because he realizes, oh, that's a defenseless child in front of me. Even if he has the potential to do very evil things, you don't kill and, and uh, a child that can't defend themselves, right? That's the baby Hitler paradox for the record. If you uh, if you were, or, or sorry, the baby Hitler question, I should say. Uh, if you were to go back and travel in time uh, and you saw Hitler as a baby in a crib, uh, would you shoot a baby? You know it's Hitler. You know it's going to go on to kill millions of people, Jews, gypsies, cripples, gays, all the sorts. Um, but it is a newborn baby. Do you shoot the baby? Uh, do you shoot the baby? Great, I just did a meme again. Um, but that's a big question. Uh, my personal answer for the record is you don't mess with time. You don't kill Hitler. I, 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 I seriously think the consequences of messing with time, because you have to look at... Uh, this is definitely going to get dark, so I'll, I'll address this briefly, but... The Holocaust is one of the worst, most evil tragedies in world history, if not if not the most. Uh, and not just the Holocaust, but in general, the, the, the movement of German, the Nazi movement of, of Germany throughout World War II. One of the worst, most condemnable atrocities in all of history. At the same time, we have to look at human history as a, as a story that's constantly being written with different chapters. That was a very, very dark chapter. But from that chapter, the world learned a lot. The world improved a lot. The world was able to see what people are actually capable of if they gain totalitarian power, if they gain a complete dictatorship over a certain country and they persecute minorities, right? That was learned from and that was taken forth for decades and decades to come. I mean, not just for Jews, but in general for minorities. You had the civil rights movement post the Holocaust. Post the Holocaust. You had um, uh, a lot of stuff going on in the Middle East, which still, still plagues to this day, but we won't get into that. Um, but we learned some fundamental lessons about the nature of humanity from the Holocaust and from Nazi Germany. That's not me saying that Nazi Germany should have happened, but that is me saying because it has happened, we've learned quite a bit. So I would not kill baby Hitler because I don't know what timeline that could be. Who knows? If we kill baby Hitler, perhaps someone way, way worse came after him and we didn't ever learn from Hitler. Who knows what time is like? Anyway, I know that's one of those ridiculous philosophical queries. Um, for the record, Stalin was, I think, way worse than Hitler, but uh, he killed millions and millions more. Uh, but they were both pretty bad. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Luke Skywalker is holding the lightsaber over his nephew, 
uh, and he realizes, I'm not going to kill a defenseless child. But it's too late. Ben Solo wakes up and sees his uncle standing in front of him with a lightsaber pointed at him. That's pretty bad. Uh, and because of that, Ben Solo, you know, f uses the force to, to destroy the hut and throw his uncle away. He kills the rest of the students of the temple, and then he turns evil and turns uh, becomes Kylo Ren. So that moment of Luke having that split second of, I should eliminate evil, which is heroic, in a, which is very heroic, is saying, I'm going to, as the hero, eliminate this evil before it can conquer anyone else. Uh, but then it switches immediately to, oh, as a hero, I don't kill a defenseless child. <laughs> uh, and that's what causes whole failure. And then he gets really down on himself. He gets very depressed. He locks himself on an island. He thinks he's, he's failed. He's cut himself off from the force. Um, and I, I find that fascinating. And then eventually in the end of the film, he comes to save everyone. He uses his last bit of life left to save the rebellion slash resistance so it can move on and help stop the First Order. And then you get the Rise of Skywalker, which is one of the worst cinematic failures I've seen ever. One of the biggest messes possibly just ever put to screen. Um, but in The Last Jedi, I saw very enjoyable characters like Poe Dameron. I like Poe Dameron a lot. I really liked that they flipped the, typically the fly boy, fly guy, sort of like Han Solo of the group in a film is the cool, wisecracking guy who always gets it right and always shoots straight, you know? But uh, Poe Dameron's kind of an idiot. <laughs> he's basically Han Solo, but he's, he's pretty arrogant. And that's showcased really, really well because I am getting kind of sick of the of the uh, sometimes in media where arrogance becomes the trait that ends up winning the day. Arrogance doesn't always win the day. Sometimes you need arrogance to overcome bad leadership and say and, and say and proclaim that there is something clearly better out there. But in general, arrogance is the heroic trait can send the, not the greatest message to people. So I like that they flip the archetype of the hero on its head and made Poe a little bit of an idiot. Um, so, yeah, so Star Wars. <laughs> Clearly very important in my life. Uh, Star Wars caught on with a lot of people, uh, I think, because of the revolution of the special effects, but also because it's a very simple story to follow. It's a very simple story to tell. It has its twists and turns that are very, very memorable. You know, Luke, I am your father, um, which is actually not the line for the record. The line in the film is, no, I am your father. Uh, Luke, I am your father was never said in the film. Um, I believe it was in the original script but it was never said in the film. Uh, so yeah, that's something that people often get wrong, like the Bernstein Bears, which is all other phenomenon. Uh, the Mandela effect, right? That's, that's uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, because it's, some, it's such an e easy story to tell of good versus evil and the constant struggle and, and triumph between those two forces, I think that's why it's caught on so much with kids and adults. It's very easy to understand no matter who you are or where you come from. Also, Star Wars is very popular internationally. I mean, very, very popular. There's a reason it has so much money. It's not just a, a Western or North American phenomenon. You have Star Wars fans all over the globe. Um, and that speaks to the the, the credence of, of, I don't know, how, tra how transferable the narrative of good versus evil is. Because if you look at every culture, you look at every story, every metaphor, every doctrine that's been passed down, religious or non-religious, it's a story of good versus evil. Or, you know, bad versus good. It's always going to come down to those two forces. What is right and what is wrong. And Star Wars just happens to exemplify that with a lot of really cool laser fights and swords and people saying things that are vaguely Shakespearean. So that's my endorsement of Star Wars. <laughs> okay, I think I just talked about Star Wars for a good, a good, um, what was that, 20 minutes there? I'm not sure. Um, but let's move on to another subject. Um, so Star Wars actually... I'm going to tell a bit of a story to uh, to my audience here. Now, any close friends of mine who are listening have heard the story, but bear with me. Uh, so Star Wars is so fun and so great that I, I like to celebrate it with other people. Um, and there's this thing called Fan Expo in downtown Toronto. Uh, it is known, it, otherwise in other, it's basically Comic Con. It's a convention 
where a bunch of different nerds <laughs> Uh, descend from their mother's basement for the first time in their lives, myself included, and join in the celebration of comic book culture, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, any fictional franchise you can name, it's represented at a Comic-Con. And a bunch of people come, and people are in cosplay, they dress up in costumes, I've never done that for the record, I don't think I have the guts to, um, and uh, there's a bunch of merchandise available, and you can meet different actors and uh, and people from all over the globe. I, I personally spoke to Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker. I spoke to Kevin Conroy, who plays Batman. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. Um, but uh, yeah, so I went there, and this is one of my favorite stories uh, that's ever happened to me. And it's just so, so abundantly strange. This is the day that the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, yelled at me. <laughs> so... Um, my friend Ben and I, my best friend Ben, who's currently uh, serving in the Israeli military, shout out to him. Good luck, uh, best of luck, Bahazlacha, and all his endeavors. Um, my best friend Ben and I were walking on the main showroom floor. And the showroom floor is basically a bunch of booths. If you've ever been to a flea market, it's essentially that. So there's a bunch of different booths selling different things, like I said, related to any fictional franchise, Star Wars, Star Trek, DC, Marvel, whatever, whatever you may name, Harry Potter. Um, and it's categorized into different aisles. And Ben and I, we're going, making our way through, you know, looking at some action figures, definitely purchasing some action figures, at least on my end, um, and looking at stuff, talking to people. It was really cool. And then we get to the last aisle. The last aisle is the horror aisle, which is where Alien, Predator, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, I'm not sure, Saw, uh, trying to think. I, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, horror films, not my, not my biggest strength. I get a little queasy with horror films, so I haven't seen many of them, so you apologize if my, my, my knowledge is lacking in that area. Um, I know like old classic horror films like The Thing and Alien, which are both incredible movies, but uh, modern horror, not, not really into it. Um, Annabelle, that sort of stuff. So we're walking by and, and Ben and I pass this booth and there's a guy standing there dressed as Jesus. He is fully dressed in the Jesus garb. Not only is he dressed in the Jesus garb, but he has a metal wraith around his head. Obviously fake. A metal wraith around his head with blood oozing everywhere, all over his forehead, down to his cheeks. So this man was clearly crucified or in a really terrible bike lock accident. Um, so yeah, that was that was fun. So Ben and I sort of passingly glanced. We didn't even point because you know when you point at people in public, they tend to notice. I just sort of I just sort of motioned over there, and Ben was like, "Oh, that's really weird." We just kept walking, didn't think anything of it. Now keep in mind, I'm an Orthodox Jew, and so I wear this kippa everywhere I go. I'm a pretty easily identifiable Jew, and I'm very happy being that. It has led to very good experiences in my life, and honestly, there's nothing to hide about being Jewish. Um, but it did make me recognizable. I believe Ben was wearing a baseball cap or he could have been wearing a kippa as well. I'm not, I don't uh, recall entirely, but we, we get a few feet, a few feet past Jesus, which <laughs> out of context, that sounds great coming from an Orthodox Jew's mouth. Uh, we get a few feet past Jesus and suddenly I hear, hey, you from behind me. And I'm thinking, oh no, please let me be wrong. Please let me be wrong. Please tell me this is not, it was, I turn around and Jesus is pointing at me. <laughs> also, my apologies to any Christian uh, uh, members of the Christian or Catholicist uh, faith listening to this podcast as I completely butcher your Lord and Savior. I, I assume that that was not the actual Lord and Savior, and he was a man who definitely needs some more medication. Um, and he points at me and he yells, hey, you! And I point at myself and I go, me? Because I wasn't sure if he was talking to me. Um, and he said, yeah, you. 
And at this point, there are a few other people because there's people moving all the time in the comic convention. They're going all around. At this point, a few people turn their heads because they're looking and they see Jesus yelling at an Orthodox Jew pointing at him. So people are questioning, oh, should I do something? Sort of the bystander effect, right? Uh, and I'm thinking in my head, why the hell is Jesus pointing at me and yelling at me? Am I going to get home tonight? <laughs> um, and 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 uh, yeah, so he says, yeah, you. And I'm like, uh, hi? He said, I died for your sins, man. At that point, I, I was, I was lost. I was like, what is happening? This, this man is clearly mentally deranged and I don't know what to do in this situation. I froze up. I was like, this, this guy dressed as Jesus just yelled at me that I died for his sins or that he died for my sins. Um, and I, so I stand there and I'm like, I sort of muster out an, okay. By that point, people are really glancing and he just yells, apologize. And at that point I, I give up. I was thinking I'm going to, I'm going to apologize and just get out of here. I didn't want to turn heel and run because honestly, I did not have the koach, the strength to do that at the time. <laughs> I was a little frozen in place anxiety wise. And so I just said, I, I'm sorry. And Jesus changes his tone and he says, good. Thank you. He comes up to me and he embraces me in a full hug. I guys, I can't describe to you what was what I was thinking in that moment. My brain was so beyond this realm. I was just trying to comprehend what the hell just happened. Um Yeah, that was definitely strange. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Jesus hugs me um and the crowd dissipates and I'm just really confused. Uh, and he strikes up a conversation and then he recommends me some Jewish boy band called Goy Shel Shabbat. I never even looked them up, but, uh, it was one of the weirdest interactions in my entire life. Jesus, uh, first of all, just the fact that Jesus is yelling at me, pointing at me, saying that, uh, he died for my sins and, uh, that I should apologize at that point. I mean, I've been yelled at on the street sometimes by, uh, <laughs> certain religious advocates who are a little uh, aggressive in their demeanor, uh, mainly people from the Jews for Jesus crowd. I'm not going to knock everyone who is a part of that crowd, uh, but it's a certain it's a certain uh, sect of religion that is neither Catholic nor Jewish. Uh, it, they're called Jews for Jesus. Um, their ideology is a little paradoxical, but like I said, I don't want to knock anyone of the faith. Um, but I've been yelled at by Jews for Jesus people uh, sometimes on the street. They're like, hey, did you know your religion is wrong? I remember that once I was I was like, I just look, I, I remember, he, yeah, he, there was this one time, I think I was in grade 11, I was walking down Bathurst, which is a very Jewish area, and someone standing with a bunch of pamphlets said, hey, you, you Jewish? And I said, yeah. He said, well, did you know your religion is wrong? And I, I looked him in the eyes, and I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, oh, really? Okay. And he said, yeah, man, it's crazy. You should look into this Jews for Jesus thing. And I, and I said, uh, what did I say to him? I said something snappy. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I was holding a juice box and I said, no, thank you. I'm Jews for juice box. And I drank from the juice box and I walked away. <sighs> High school misadventures. Oh man. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that story because I find it quite funny and maybe one day I'll adapt it again into a film adaptation. People always tell me, Yosef, you know what you can do film on the side as a hobby. You could do psychology and film and it's true. It's true. I can. I mean, you could see 
on this channel there's some content that's definitely film related and i hope to be producing more stuff like that um but definitely definitely a dramatic fun story in relation to star wars comic conventions and religion which seems to be a central theme of this podcast i wonder why <laughs> Um, okay, so with that, we've reached our mid-break of this episode. This is going way faster than I thought it would. Um, and I apologize if I'm talking too fast. This is the Ben Shapiro tendencies of myself to talk way too fast and speed through sentences, paragraphs, etc., etc. But since we are at the mid-break point, it is only fair that I mention our mid-break sponsor. In addition to EV Direct, this week's episode of the Communal Conversation is sponsored by our good friends over at Custom by Shara. Looking for a gift to give your friend, family, or significant other? Want something unique and personalized for any occasion? Custom by Shara delivers custom, complex, hand-drawn portraits of anyone and everyone at affordable costs. Seriously, you've heard enough of this about me. Why haven't you gotten yourself one yet? Ser ask yourself, why have I not gotten a custom portrait by Custom by Shara? Check out at Custom by Shara on Instagram to place your order and tell them we sent you. Tell them may the fourth be with you. Once again, check out Custom by Shara on Instagram to order your custom portrait today. I actually remember uh, May the 4th in my, just one more Star Wars associated memory before we move on from this whole pop culture shtick. Uh, I remember in my my high school, uh, Orchayim Yeshiva, Orchayim Yeshiva is a loose word, um, but uh, not to knock the school, I absolutely loved Orchayim, it was the best time of my life. Um, but I remember uh, it's a modern Orthodox day school, and so you wonder how much they step into the cultural realms of pop culture, how much are they going to... You know, because I, I came from Eitz Chaim, which I've mentioned before on the podcast, which is a totalitarian regime where no form of any Gashmias, which is the Hebrew word for um, secular culture, I guess, or, or secularism. Uh, well, Gashmias, I think, means trash. Uh, I think it's Yiddish, actually. I don't think it's... Uh, I, I'm. I, it's either Yiddish or Hebrew. I apologize if I'm getting that wrong. Um, but no form of Star Wars was ever allowed in my own school. And then I get to my new school and, you know, things are comfort for two months. It's grade nine. I'm still adjusting in. And then uh, when the Star Wars The Force Awakens came out in late 2015, a bunch of seniors came with Star Wars helmets and lightsabers and fake Star Wars guns and we're celebrating the new Star Wars movie. And I was like, OK, definitely the school for me. <laughs> definitely a shift there. Um, so... Moving on from this, I want to talk about something very, something that I believe is a very important value in society, but not many others share my opinion. Actually, let me, let me, let me step back from that. Most people agree with me, but people in power sometimes do not. What I'm talking about is the concept of free speech. Now, I'm a libertarian. I am someone who believes that the government should be as little involved in people's lives as possible. The smaller the government, the better and more free the people. I think the government is there to establish uh, law, to establish order. Um, and to make sure that people are protected from harm. And I think that's about it. You need a strong military, you need a strong legal system, strong courts. And and honestly, outside of, I'm okay with the government offering humanitarian aid, but only to a certain extent. I, I, I don't think the government should be relied on for charity. I think that should be more to local communities, but I don't wanna make this too innately political, even though it's kind of a political issue. Um, but Canada, not famously known for its free speech. <laughs> um, Canada on the books has had hate speech laws um, that are uh, cr criminally prosecutable since the Constitution of Canada, um, uh, something that is different in, in the United States. Uh, so the term hate speech is definitely something that's still debated uh, among academics. I think, I think people often mistake what hate speech actually means. Hate speech does not mean um, someone, for example, yelling a slur about Jewish people at me. That is not hate speech. It's gross, nasty speech, but it is not hate speech. Hate speech is speech that is specifically targeted at harming an individual. So you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? That is hate speech. That is that is 
making everyone believe that there is a fire and there is a threat. Uh, you cannot threaten people's lives directly. Say, I'm going to kill you. That is a threat. That is hate speech. Um, and threats to personhood in general, right? Or, or threats of stalking, doxing, that sort of stuff. That classifies under hate speech. Star Wars stuff fell over. Of course, um, but the but the general but hate speech is not just you know insults and things I don't like. Hate speech is generally uh, uh, sort of assault, <laughs> um, uh, categorized within speech. Um, and uh, the U.S. has strong laws against that sort of speech, um, and Canada also definitely has strong laws against those sort of speeches, uh, th those sort of forms of speech. But when it gets to insults, mean compliments, racist compliments, you know, anti-Semitic, whatever it might be. America has always been of the belief that people can be free to say whatever the hell they want. And I agree with them. Honestly, people can be free to say whatever the hell they want as long as you're not calling to harm anyone. If you want to believe the Jews run the world, run the banks, run the movie industry, I think you should be free to say that. I know that's controversial with a lot of my Jewish peers uh, and even non-Jewish peers, but I believe that free speech is what you need in society to have it run because you, you can't just, what's the word, clobber everyone into silence that you disagree with or someone that you may not like. And honestly, for the record, say someone is an open Nazi, right? Someone says, I am a Nazi. I agree with Hitler's ideology. I don't think he went far enough, so on and so forth, flies the Nazi flag. I don't think that person should be criminally prosecuted for having that ideology. Now, if he takes any action on that ideology, if he starts harassing or attacking Jews or, or, or blacks or cripples or whatever it might be, then definitely that's a crime. But just having the the harmful ideology of a Nazi, I don't think that's innately prosecutable. Now, I'm not saying it's good. Obviously, it's not good. No one likes Nazis except other Nazis. Um, but I still don't think that it's the government's job to step in and say, you can't think like this. Um, Canada would disagree with me. The US mostly agrees with me, although new democratic policy is trying to challenge that. Um, but my, my overall message here is that even if there's awful, gross, nasty speech that exists out there, anti-Semitic, hateful, racist, homophobic, I don't think we, sh we get to eradicate it or regulate it out of existence. I think it's just a natural reality of human life. And for the record, I would much rather Nazis say their crazy ideology out loud than internally. Because the thing is, when you say that, when these people say things out loud, you know where they are, you know who they are, you know where the Nazis are, and you know what they believe. They're telling you straight out. If you just tell them to be hidden, if they can't speak their mind, if they're not allowed free speech, then they're going to just foment and hide and most often create more of their own ideology because what happens is when you when you tell a group to be insular, when you tell them, when you tell uh, groups that are, are caught, get caught up in conspiracy theories, for example, that they can't talk about the conspiracy theory, what they see it as in the confirmation bias sort of way of it is, ah, we're being silenced because this must be true. This is further evidence of the truth that we are not allowed to say the truth. And this furthers with any extremist ideology. If, if you say that, you know, um, you're not allowed to I don't know. Um, what's, I don't want. I don't want to bring any awful examples, honestly. But but I'll I'll, I'll just go on the Jewish line. If if you if the government steps in and tells someone you are not allowed to say that the Jews run the banks, we are going to fine you, maybe even prison you. That's going to make them think, oh shoot, the Jews do run the banks. That's why they're silencing me because I can't tell the truth. Obviously, that's not what it is in reality. But that definitely give, gives credence and ends up creating more hate than uh, existed in the first place. Um, that's why I'm always of the belief that when, when people have anti-Semitic ideologies, unless they're innately bent on destruction and just hate Jews, I always think conversation should be the first step because I think a lot of people who have anti-Semitic ideologies are ignorant. I don't think they're innately evil. I think they've just been miseducated or not educated at all. Many anti-Semitic people have never met a Jew in their life, right? And so those people just don't know any better and you can't really blame them for not knowing any better. So it's our job as Jews, as citizens, as any people to educate them and say, hey, 
We're not all evil alien lizards. Only some of us are. <laughs> um, but but uh, seriously, it, it, that, I've, I've always felt that that agency that I, I don't think someone who is anti-Semitic is irrecoverable from human society. I think usually if you give them education and proper exposure to good Jewish people, they will change in their ways. And anti-Semitism is, is I would not say a very popular ideology in, in Western thought at all. If, if it were, then you'd have a lot less Jews in, in high places in Western society, um, but, uh, or just existing in peace. And I mean, there is anti-Semitism. It definitely still does exist. Um, but in general, Jews ha have been very lucky to live a pretty quiet life since um, World War II, at least in other countries. Actually, <laughs> unless you're in Israel, which is a whole, a whole other message. And, 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 and this is not to say anti-Semitism doesn't exist. Anti-Semitism is a problem. There have been synagogue shootings. There have been hate crimes, so on and so forth. But in general, I do think Jews live pretty comfortably in Western countries. Um, and uh, feel free to challenge me on that. Um, but so I, I, I'm so I'm speaking on the on the validity of free speech. Um, that yes, if someone calls me a, a kike, let's say that that's a, that's a slur for Jewish people. Someone yells kike at me from across the street. Honestly, don't really care. <laughs> um, they are free to believe whatever they want. I don't think they should be criminally prosecuted for that. Certainly, certainly, I would not extend that to people who think Jews run the world. I don't think that they should be prosecuted for that. I, I that's not my reaction. Honestly, I would be of the belief that listen, I don't agree with anything you're saying, but I'll die for your right to say it. We need free speech to run this to run any country. You need to have people actually having a free exchange of ideas, not limited by any government or any you know um, uh, regime that that only narrows it down to certain thought. Because that's not free thought. That's not free thinking. That's not free will. That's just you can only think these specific things. So the Canadian government does not tend to be very fond of this, as they've proposed Bill C-10. Now, any Canadians who know uh, what Bill C-10 is will know what I'm talking about, but let me explain for those who do not. I have pulled an article from CBC talking about Bill C-10. Bill C-10 was a new uh, a new um, bill proposed in Ottawa in the Parliament, parliamentary government by the Liberal Party. Uh, and I'm going to read a little from this article just to explain a little bit. The federal government is facing an uproar over controversial changes to a bill that would bring videos and other con content posted to social media sites like YouTube under the purview of the country's broadcasting regulator. So Bill C-16. Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen uh, Gilbelt introduced Bill C-10 in November. The stated intent was to modernize the Broadcasting Act for an era when Canadians increasingly consume music, movies, TV shows, videos, and podcasts either online or through mobile apps. The government says the objective is to ensure that digital streaming services enjoy Enjoying booming revenues from online traffic contribute to the creation, production, and promotion of Canadian content. Unlike the online platforms, Canadian distributors of broadcast such as Rogers, Shaw, and Bell are required to pay a portion of their revenue into the Can Canada Media Fund, an agency that funds Canadian programming. CRTC-regulated broadcasters are also required to broadcast a minimum amount of Canadian content on radio and TV. If passed, Bill C-10 would subject online streaming platforms that operate in Canada, like Netflix, Spotify, Crave, and Amazon Prime, to the Broadcasting Act, allowing the CRTC to impose similar regulations on them. Such regulations could compel them to pay into funds that support Canadian musicians, writers, and artists, or require them to make Canadian content more visible on their platforms. Now, here's the thing. If you are an independent broadcasting network, something like Rogers, Shaw, and Bell, these big multimedia companies, if you want to pay into Canadian content, you know, give more voices to Canadian creators in, in film and in, uh, in, in TV and broadcasting and music, whatever it may be, that's fine. I think that's, I think that's great if you want to do that as a company. The government enforcing you to do that? 
Not a big fan of that. I don't think the government should get to choose what free enterprise and free business wants to choose as their own model. Um, once again, feel free to disagree with me. This is an episode where I'll be listening and responding to every single comment I get because this is just me talking. So please, if you have any disagreements or agreements, whatever it may be, please voice them in the comments below. I'd absolutely love to respond to them. Um, so yes, this this new bill would subject Canadian broadcasting companies. Well, they, it already subjects Canadian broadcasting companies. It would broaden it to include outside parties like Amazon, Netflix, Crave, Spotify, HBO Max, presumably, and say, sorry, to be in Canada, you have to stream a certain amount of Canadian content, promote a certain amount of Canadian content. I don't like that the government is making those decisions for free business. I don't. I don't. I think government and business should be very separate entities because the more government has stepped into business, the worse it's been for societies around the world. The more the government starts to regulate business, the more to slide towards democratic socialism that societies tend to take, or even full-on socialism, uh, stuff like Venezuela, um, definitely doesn't result in 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 good outcomes. Um, but this is this is uh, the least damning thing about Bill C-10 uh, is this uh, this subjecting other entities to um, the, the the whims of the Canadian government. But I figured I'd mention it as the underlying uh, purpose of the bill. Um, However, uh, what really, really ticked people off is this other uh, is is this other um, addition to the bill. I believe the it's it's framed as uh, let me find this in the sorry. Um, so okay, I'm gonna read. What about controversial amendments? In its original form, Bill C-10 exempted user-generated content posted to social media sites from the CRTC's authority. That meant professionally produced shows or songs streamed on Crave, Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Spotify would be subject to CRTC regulation, as we uh, phrased before, while music videos on YouTube, posts made, on, posts made to Facebook, or podcasts uploaded to Apple Podcasts would be exempt because they are uploaded to those platforms by individual users. Very clear distinction there. Uh, when you have something like Netflix, Amazon Prime, all these other services, those are run by big multi-conglomerate media corporations, whereas stuff on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, independently produced things, those are made by an individual. And obviously, an individual should not be held to the same standard as a multi-billion dollar corporation. Um, and there are subpoints here. Streaming platforms to were to incur penalties if not abiding by Broadcasting Act rules. Ottawa proposes. Yep, that's uh, so you find these 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 uh, corporations, which is just going to make streaming services not not want to be in Canada. Netflix might just look at it and say, "Sorry, not worth it. We're out." <laughs> I I mean, on, honestly, something something like Netflix, I, I I doubt they would ever do such a big move like that. But definitely smaller companies looking into becoming uh, you know broadcasting standard in Canada will look at this consideration and say, "Oh, I have to." give a certain portion of the government to put it back into whatever the hell where I don't really know where it's going. Why would I want to do that? Let me go to the United States and film stuff there. <laughs> film stuff in Georgia. Um, uh, and proposed changes to Broadcasting Act have indigenous producers cautiously optimistic. So the indigenous issues in Canada is not something I will pretend to be educated about. It's not something I'm very well educated about, so I don't want to voice too many opinions on that. Um, uh, but it it seems that um, uh, it would make sense that the Broadcasting Act would make indigenous communities more uh, happy and uh, assume that, assuming that they as Canadian uh, benefici beneficiaries and taxpayers uh, would be more subject to being part of the entertainment industry, um, I would assume. Uh, and uh, Gilbert himself touted these exclusions when he introduced the bill to the House. Our approach is balanced, and we have made the choice to exclude a number of areas from the new regime. Gilbert told MPs, user-generated content will not be regulated. However, the inclusion for user-generated content was removed by members of the Heritage Committee last Friday. Another amendment approved by the committee on Monday would grant the CRTC the power to regulate smartphone apps 
as well. Now that's crazy. Let me see if there's anything further I should I should establish in this argument. So why are some people worried? Critics say that amendments could give the CRTC the power to regulate posts that millions of Canadians upload every day to platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Michael Michael Geist, or Geist, a University of Ottawa professor and the Canada Research Chair in Internet Law, said those posts could be treated as programs, which would allow the regulator to set terms and conditions associated with that content. The kind of speech that many Canadians engage, uh, this is a quote from him, the kind of speech that many Canadians engage in on these platforms is just basic, fundamental freedom of expression that does not require and should not be subject to any sort of regulation or regulatory oversight by a broadcast regulator. Of course. And Google, which owns YouTube, also raised free speech concerns, which is kind of ironic because Google's not exactly the most free speech organization. But let's talk about the consequences of this. Essentially, what this gives the government the, the right to do is to not just subject big corporations to Canadian regulations, but to also subject individuals. <laughs> um, and that's really dangerous. Now, uh, very, various, I, I read statements from multiple MPs on, on the liberal side of the party uh, voicing their support for this sort of bill. Uh, and, and on the democratic socialist side as well, although, although some did very, very much speak out against it, talking about how this can be used to curb hate speech online, obviously, right, is, uh, you know, the, there's terrorist activity in Canada, there's hateful stuff, there's the mobs that organize, whatever it might be, or, or what Canada interprets as hate speech, which is hateful speech, not the way in the US where actually a, uh, it, it needs to have some sort of violent element to it. In Canada, hate speech is literally, you know, if, if, if someone said the word kike to me, that is hate speech under Canadian law, and they could technically be prosecuted if I press charges, which is, I think is a little ridiculous, but that's the standards of Canadian law. Um, and so this is this is saying they essentially want to reach into all of our lives and say, you can only say certain things. Now on its face, on its face, I would understand why people wouldn't think this bill is that bad. We all don't like terrorism. We all don't like hate. Right? We all don't like this stuff spreading on the internet or misinformation, whatever it might be. Although misinformation gets into a whole other subject, because who, who gets to deal with misinformation? Is the government? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and on its face, it's like okay, so we'll we'll curb extremism and we'll stop these things. However, people don't realize how far-reaching these consequences are. What Bill C-10 could essentially do is give the government the complete power to dictate anything and everything you post and say on the internet. Something on a Facebook post. Let's say let's talk about Justin Trudeau for a second. Our wonderful, eminent hair bustingly beautiful prime minister uh, beautiful in his looks and not in his policy uh because he has been a bit of a mess a bit of a disaster with the covid pandemic and i, I would say quite a quite a bit before then as well um if you're someone who likes prime minister trudeau i'll power to you this is just a difference of opinion um but yeah he's definitely come under controversy quite a bit but what if the government finds it inconvenient that people are talking about Trudeau online, talking about the We Charity exam, uh, the We Charity scandal, for example, where the Trudeau family stole tens of thousands of dollars from a charity organization and get it right into their own pockets? Um, what if the government decided that that was not a convenient narrative for the liberals in power? They decided we can't have this on the books. We can't have people talking about this. Bill C-10, let's get it out of here. It's misinformation. It's bad. It's bad. It's hate speech, whatever it might be. They can essentially use any excuse they want because they are the government and they are the overarching regime to say, you can't post this, you can't say this, you can't say that. I do not like that at all. I do not like that one bit. And I would I would imagine that even Canadians that are liberal, sorry, not even Canadians, Canadians that are liberal, I don't want to say even because I have a lot of liberal friends who completely agree with me, that this is dangerous, dangerous stuff with a lot of consequences because for the record, honestly, Politics is, is is a very evil, gross, dirty game uh, where politicians are basically paid to lie 
uh, to their entire populace uh, to appease um, certain members of their crowd. Um, and honestly, if you're looking for a role model, never look to a politician. Just don't. <laughs> um, I'm not saying all politicians are bad people. There are very good politicians out there who genuinely want to do the right thing, but I would say the overwhelming majority of them are out for their own interests, not yours. Um, and you should be deciding what goes on the best for your own life, not some senator or or representative who doesn't really know who you are. Um, but the but the the overall point um, is if you give let's right now the Liberal Party is in charge of Canada, right? Uh, well, actually no, actually actually we're under a conservative. Uh, majority government, but the liberals hold the prime ministership, and so they, uh, they, I believe they can pass bills through the house. Um, I'm not exactly uh, well. If if they form coalitions with the Canada's parliamentary system, is a little confusing to me. I'm a lot more familiar with the electoral college in the United States, um, but at least it's not Israel's parliamentary system. That is a mess. They've had what six elections in like five minutes. Um, uh, but um, yeah, so if the liberals put this this metric in power where they can essentially come through and say, okay, we don't like this, we don't like that, we don't like that. We as a government get to come in and say, you can't say that. What happens when we hand that back to the conservatives? Do you think conservatives wouldn't use that to their advantage? Really, I mean, I mean, do you think that like conservatives are not, if you give a conservative a hammer to go bang a nail, he's gonna go bang the nail. <laughs> he's not gonna wait, right? If you If you give this power, to your own government, it's going to apply for, forevermore until it's amended. But what party would want to amend absolute power? I, I voted conservative, right? I, even though I'm libertarian, I voted conservative, even though I, I don't think my vote was the best reflected in current leadership. But even though I voted conservative, I don't trust conservative politicians overall. And I, I, I would think that if they can make such a power grab where they can silence any liberal opposition, say, <clears throat> We are the conservatives and people talking about Justin Trudeau in a good way is bad. We can delete this and that and this and that is a misinformation. That's a very dangerous game you're playing. That would never happen if Bill C-10 was not passed under the liberal administration. For the record, I do trust conservatives more than liberals uh, in terms of a governmental sense in general. But once again, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It doesn't matter what power it's given to. Most likely absolute power will corrupt. So the liberals need to realize this is not something that's just going to affect them. This is going to affect the rest of Canadian politics and Canadian citizenship, Canadian citizenry, I mean, and the way we live lives, uh, the way we live our lives in the society forevermore. And like I said, once you give these reins of power to the government, those reins don't go away. Those reins are not easily slipped. Even if you want to think that the conservatives are good faith and they want to give people the freedoms, give them their free speech, not crowd opposition, who knows? Who knows how corrupt this sort of stuff can be? This stuff is very, very scary. It's not... <clears throat> Sorry, I must uh, take a pause. This stuff is uh, is quite scary to me, and um, I, I'm not the only one. I've seen many people on, on both sides, left and right, uh, middle and center, <laughs> uh, voicing their concerns about this, because ultimately a lot of people, even if they completely disagree with, with someone else, someone who's very, uh, let's say, very staunch conservative beliefs, talking to someone who's very staunch in their liberal beliefs, usually... If those people are human beings talking to each other, not through a screen, not through a keyboard, because that's that just lets you say anything you want without recognizing the humanity of the other person. But if they're talking face to face, they will generally agree to disagree. They will say, okay, we agree on these things, we don't agree on these things. Great, awesome, <laughs> let's have a drink, right? Because we disagree on things, it's fine. Uh, th this, this notion that you should go through life without uh, ever encountering people that disagree with you, not, not it's you don't grow that way. You live in a constant echo chamber if that's how you're growing. If you're developing, not hearing any opposition to your own thoughts, uh, not hearing what other people think, I, I would suggest you're not properly developing. Um, now, like I said, people can do whatever they want with their lives. So I don't want to sit here and criticize, um, but it's definitely healthy to have disagreements with people so you can learn from those disagreements. I've learned 
probably the most things in my life from disagreements with people. Um, I've learned what other people think, what I should think, you know, adjusted my ways of thinking when people call me out on them. And I very much appreciate that stuff. And I think I, th I think most people should. Um, and criticism is very hard to take for the record. We, we, we humans are terrible at taking criticism, but it really does change your whole outlook when you humble yourself and realize you don't really know everything and it's good to constantly learn. Uh, but I digress. Um, I, 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 this, this idea that we need to silence people who disagree with us, that's how you, that's how you lead to fascist regimes. I mean, that's, that's essentially what I, okay. I don't want to, I'm not going to draw, I was going to draw a comparison to how the Hitler youth overrode academics in Germany, but I actually really don't like making Holocaust comparisons with modern day phenomena. I just don't, I really, really don't uh, because the Holocaust was an unspeakable tragedy that I don't think many things compared to. The only thing that I think is warranting of a comparison of the Holocaust is what is going on with the Uyghur Muslim population in China, which for the record is absolutely disgusting. Um, and I actually, I, it, I'm glad I brought it up because it's an issue that's pretty close to my heart. Uh, it's something that I really, it, it boils my blood that not, that not a lot of people seem to be talking about it, especially in the mainstream. Um, now, to be fair, uh, President Donald Trump did proclaim it a genocide um, when he was in his administration. Republicans have been very outspoken against China and their aggressive moves on the rest of the world and to the Uyghur population. And there are some people on the left who have, who have also called out this uh, Uyghur uh, Muslim crisis. Uh, for the record, <laughs> uh, in Canada, when it was brought to the floor as a bill, uh, to uh, th th there was a bill brought to the floor condemning what's going on in, in uh, Zhejiang province in China. Uh, no, sorry, in Wuhan province. Oh my God, <laughs> Xi Jinping, I mixed that up. Wuhan province in China. Um, no, it is Zhejiang province. My geography, my geography is not the greatest, uh, but <laughs> whatever it might be, uh, in, in this province where the Uyghur Muslims are located, uh, when this bill was brought to the floor, everyone unanimously voted that this was a genocide, both left and right, everyone. Everyone except Trudeau and all of his immediate cabinet members. They all abstained from the vote. I think that right there just tells you where the country's priorities lie, honestly, is where you have a lot of people... <clears throat> In, who are politicians, which yes, I generally distrust, but doing a very humanitarian thing and saying that this is a genocide and we should call it out. Um, and then the, the uh, I think the Chinese uh, foreign minister to Canada, uh, Canadian relations said, uh, Canada should mind its own business and worry about what's going on at its borders. Yes, because that's always how uh, crises, crises get solved in the world is we lock in and don't look at anything else. Um, so I think it's despicable uh, what's going on. Obviously, it's despicable. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a complete subjugation of the Uyghur Muslim population uh, uh, to the tune of millions of, uh, of starvations and deaths and internment. Um, it's taking this whole minority of, of, of Muslims uh, and putting them into internment camps, uh, killing a lot of them uh, and uh, sterilizing most of the uh, most, if not all the women. So they can't have any more children. So the Uyghurs can't repopulate. As I'm saying this, my voice is <clears throat> croaking a little because it's. It's terrible. It's it's one of the worst humanitarian tragedies I think I think we've ever seen. Yet no one seems to really be doing anything about it. Um, and yeah, uh, and and these and I, I've read personal accounts from the inside of these camps and reporters on the scene that uh, on the inside of these camps the the children and the men and the women are re-educated in Xi Jinping thought. They have to re. I'm serious. Re Xi Jinping is the uh, supreme overlord, communist uh, leader in China. Um, and in in the camps, these these people are taught. Xi Jinping thought they have to reject their Islamic faith, they have to reject their ideology, and they have to embrace Xi Jinping thought. This this uh, unanimous way of thinking under certain principles, um, and at the end of classes they are asked, do you submit to Xi Jinping thought? 
And if they say yes, they get to go and work and labor for the rest of their life or possibly die. And if you say no, then you definitely die. Um, so there's a lot of really gross stuff going on over there. For the record, I do think I do think that um, Holocaust organizations should or organizations that are, are organized um, to prevent stuff like the Holocaust in the future. You have uh, stuff like Stand With Us, Stop Anti-Semitism, um, few other organizations uh there are there are big jewish organizations like b'nai kiva or ncsy or chabad or whatever it might be i think honestly we jews have a have a moral agency to go out and make a noise about this i think especially a big organization like b'nai brith i think they need to go and speak out on this and say this what is happening right now is pretty much equivalent to a holocaust in china because i'm sorry i mean it's pretty hypocritical, I think, of these organizations to say never again. That's the big, that's the big modicum, uh, uh, sorry, that's the big quote of these of these organizations against the Holocaust or prevention of this sort of stuff. Never again. Never again will there be another Holocaust. We're not going to let it happen. Kind of happening right now. <laughs> and I don't think it's fair to only call this sort of stuff out when we're, when it happens to us. Like, only when it happens to Jews do we call it out. Only do we talk about anti-Semitism. I don't, I don't think that's how we should be doing things. If not as a, if, if not as a moral agency, but I, I think definitely as a good measure of faith, Jewish organizations coming out and saying, look, what's going on in the Uyghur Muslim population? We've been through this. We Jews have been through this multiple times. It is terrible. It is evil. It is, it is condemnable. Governments around the world should be condemning them, putting sanctions on China. And we, the Jewish people, recognize this as a genocide, just as what we've been through. And we extend our, our hopes, helps, freedoms, condolences, whatever it might be, right? I do think that Many of these organizations that say never again and then only pay attention when stuff happens to Jews are, are very hypocritical. Now, I really I, I don't want to criticize. I don't want to criticize these organizations in general. I mean, I'm actually a member of quite a few of them, so I, I don't want to go out and attack this entire uh, spate of Jewish organizations. But I do think that we, we are definitely missing the opportunity to come out and, and, and be activists on behalf of the Uyghur Muslim population and say, we saw this. We went through this. Never again. But actually never again. Not anything to do with Jews in general in the world, never again. So yeah, I I, I went on a bit of a tangent with the Uyghur Muslim population crisis, but I I, I do I do frankly I, it's it's something that disturbs me deeply, and I I really think that Jewish organizations should be saying something about it. Um, and I might get a lot of flack for that, and I'm I'm totally willing to accept that. I I just believe that, and and a lot of it comes to this belief that these Holocaust organizations need to to maintain their rigid structure. They need to only talk about Jews and Jewish problems and Jewish equivalents of, of the Holocaust, because if you talk about anything else that's detracting from the, from the tragedy of the Holocaust, I happen to completely disagree with that because I think two things can be true at once and people can focus on two things at once, right? You can talk about the Holocaust being an awful evil tragedy and at the same time say that the Holocaust going on in China right now is an awful evil Holocaust. Those can both be true. Those don't contradict. I don't understand people that are in the complete mindset, right, that the Holocaust in Germany was the only example of this ever and we have to talk about this and if you venture outside of that, people are going to lose focus of the Holocaust, right? It's just not true. There's there's so many. I, I don't know. I, I believe that to be a little close-minded. I under, I understand it. On an emotional level, I understand it. I I understand. Look, you're a Jew. Um, or you're, you're Jewish, whatever it might be. <laughs> you're a Jew sounds like a slur. Um, but uh, you're Jewish and your family went through the Holocaust or, or your ancestors or maybe no one even related to you directly, but your people went through the Holocaust, right? Um and you are there to stand up for Jewish rights to make sure that never happens again, to educate people on the Holocaust and to have people understand the, the awful travesty that it was. And I think that's very noble and I think that's very good. 
At the same time, I think we could be doing more, and I think we could be extending our reach and saying that <clears throat> Never Again doesn't just apply to the Jewish community. It applies to any community undergoing the same sort of genocide. Right, the Armenians went through it. Actually, when the actually, I, I will give credit to Stand with Us, uh, a big organization. Uh, when the Armenian genocide was officially recognized by the Biden administration, uh, they posted about it on Instagram and said, "This is good. Uh, they've uh, they, we, the, uh, the Armenians have needed this justice for many years, and it's very true." So. Good, good for Stand With Us for standing up on that. Uh, and maybe they have mentioned the Uyghur Muslim crisis in passing. It's not something that I believe is central to their campaigns. Um, but I do I do think, I guess this is, I mean, I doubt anyone from these organizations is listening to this, but I, I would say that my, my sort of call to action is that I think we as Jews should be speaking up on that crisis because we've been through it. We've been through it. Sure, maybe we've been through it worse, but two things can be true at once. You can talk about two awful, evil tragedies at once. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's let's try and close this off here because I think we've uh, we've we've reached our hour point. Um, we talked about a lot here. I I for the record, I did not think I was going to talk that long about Star Wars. I apologize if I lost anyone's attention with Star Wars. Um, and then we got into uh, the story with Jesus, and we got into social media regulation and free speech, and my general ideas on free speech. Um, and then we finally talked about the Uyghur Muslim population, which which was a bit of a tangent from the overall point that. Um, giving giving politicians the power to determine what you can say and what you can't say is a very very bad idea um i'll be completely honest this might be a very controversial episode um i i think the stuff i'm saying is not innately controversial um and nothing too out of the bag but you never know in today's climate but i'm i'm okay i'm willing to accept that i'm willing to accept any comments criticism uh as my uh, my my high school teacher, Mr. Tevisham, who I miss dearly, used to say, uh, questions, comments, criticisms, or complaints. I'm open to any one of those things. Uh, so please, sound off in the comments below. How did I do for a solo episode? Was I able to hold your attention, hold the audience directly, staring into the camera? I mean, usually I'm like at a side glance, not really looking at the camera, but now I'm looking right at you, right down the barrel of the iPhone lens. <laughs> yes, we do use an iPhone on this show. We are not very high budget. Um, but, uh, you know, you know what would help make us more high budget is if you followed us on Instagram. We get more followers, we get more traction, we get more money, hopefully. So, if you're not following the Communal Conversation on Instagram, definitely go ahead and do that. I would highly, highly recommend doing that. We post clips from each episode, and I'm going to start playing it up with some new content. Um, and it, generally, it means a lot to me. It shows that uh, you guys are really appreciating the show, because there are a lot of people out there who are, and that means the world to me. I want to uh, mention that uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, which I hope you are because all this memorabilia, well, might be a little distracting, actually. <laughs> um, please be sure to like the video if you liked it and subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed yet. Once again, 56% of people who listened to the entirety of the last podcast were not subscribed to the channel. Why? Why are you listening to an entire podcast and you're not subscribed to the, <laughs> to the channel? Listen, man, whatever boats you float, but I would highly recommend subscribing. Uh, if you have any questions for the next episode, I don't think I've gotten very many, um, then feel free to leave them below. Uh, once again, please leave your comments on this episode below. I would love to engage in discussion with uh, every, anyone and everyone. Um, and I want to thank our sponsors, EV Direct and Custom by Char. And on a personal note, uh, let's put the clipboard down. Let's go, let's go off script. Um, so this is my 10th episode of this podcast, uh, The Communal Conversation. Um, I've really, really enjoyed this endeavor a lot. This has been really, really fun. It's been great, and I'm not stopping it anytime soon. I'm going to continue going, keep having interesting guests, interesting discussions, interesting dialogues, because I think that's how life furthers, is when you talk to people about things you don't know personally, um, and maybe things they don't know, and you both learn. And learning is very important, especially in times when we're all locked in our houses, not doing much, in Canada at least. Um, and I want, I want to, like, 
give a heartfelt thank you to all my friends and family and and even new listeners who I aren't in any of those categories who I consider my friends because you listen to me speak for an hour every week that's a pretty big dedication um so I want to thank each and every one of you for for giving this podcast the attention um and for liking the video subscribing them the personal messages I've gotten from my close friends are I mean ir- irreplaceable in in terms of their value to me I just the fact that you guys and girls have supported me on this sort of adventure it, it means a lot and it means i'm going to keep doing it so really i that's one of the things i'm very blessed to and this is i guess sort of a humble brag because i i, I attribute this to other people not myself but i i'm very very blessed to have many amazing incredible friends and peers and acquaintances and, and colleagues in my life uh really i am the list goes very long and i i thank all those people for, for following along with me following along this endeavor i love you guys i love each and every single one of you guys and girls there needs to be more love in the world as opposed to hate and seriously thank you so much for your support uh, and we're just going to continue to communally converse with Canadians or otherwise. Stay tuned. All right, everyone, I think that's going to close out our 10th episode of the Communal Conversation. May the 4th be with you. Have a happy Star Wars Day. Uh, watch out for Revenge of the 5th tomorrow, and I'm out.